Welcome to the Garbage Fire Podcast, aka MFKS Radio, on the airwaves dial at 487.52. Your pod is hosted by Kelsey and Megan, who are not lying liars who lie all the time. <laughs> lying liar. Uh, well, you speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> the Garbage Fire Pod is all about being unironically unira- uh, un- passionate to the point that you would dive into the dumpster for the things that you love. All right. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Do humans lie because it's <laughs> the podcast trait? is taking an existential turn? So, backstory. We might as well just get into it because it's an yeah, interesting question. Yeah, just do it. Just do it. So, I have uh, some a friend, some friends of mine. Their little guy. He's almost four, which blows my mind. Um, that he's almost four, and I went to see them a couple weeks ago. Maybe it was last week. I don't know. Time means nothing. Um, and it was on a weekday. And of course, everyone's working from home. He's not in daycare. So I went over and I was able to um, distract this kid for like two and a half hours because I was a different person. It wasn't just mom and dad in the mm-hmm. house. And at one point in time, they left and, you know, whatever. We're doing some other stuff. And then they, they came back up and they were um, cooking in the kitchen. And he like didn't even pay any attention because he had like a person. Um, but to talk point, to and a distraction. And, 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 and the dog was also very distracted by me as well mm-hmm. <laughs> because she was also very happy to see me. Um, but at one point he had to go to the bathroom and he's on like a little, on a timer, on a pee timer right now. And for a whole bunch of reasons. But anyway, when they, she, uh, mom had texted me and said it, when the timer goes, he has to go. And if he does, he gets a gummy bear. And so he did. And, uh, but he had to show me, he had to prove that he had gone so he could get the gummy bear because apparently the three-year-old has been lying about whether or not he's going to the bathroom so he can get a gummy bear. (laughs) And so then Kelsey asks, is lying just a thing that humans do? Yeah. Like, are we, is it in our nature versus are we like socially or culturally or whatever conditioned to lie? Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Well, so here's the thing, because I'm thinking about, like, the circumstances under which, like, I tell lies, right? Which I do sometimes. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, the lies that I tell are to my students. I'm like, oh, guys, you know what? I marked your stuff, but I left it at home. 100%. Love it, love it, love it. And I like to return things on Fridays, or I say that I'm going to have it back on Friday, and then I leave it at home, so I get an extra, like, three days to mark it. Oh my god. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but, and I mean, every once in a while it does happen where I do leave things at home and then I feel really bad, like, having to tell the truth that that's the same truth as, like, the lie they heard two weeks ago. But anyway, mm-hmm. they don't know it's a lie. Um, <laughs> but, like, when I do, and or sometimes it'll be, like, a lie of omission. Mm-hmm. Like, there's information that you don't need to share. Yeah. Or I choose not to share. And sometimes it's as simple as, like, you know, there's, like, a surprise involved. And so I just, like, don't tell the thing about the surprise. Absolutely. Right? But, like, I've never understood the, like, pathological need to lie. Yeah. Me neither. You know, or, like, inventing inventing stories that are grander somehow mm-hmm. than what's really happening. Do you have friends who lie frequently? I don't... I don't know if I do anymore. I did definitely when I was younger. I Like, I think most of my friends now are... Like old, old, old enough to know better. Ultimately, that we're like, we know this is bullshit. Stop, just stop. Yeah. Um. But like a buddy of mine who I used to work with, he has a friend who, um, 
would tell all kinds of lies. Like, about what? like well like he had gotten into law school apparently but like no one knew where he had gone to law school <laughs> um and like moved to Toronto to do this law school business but like doesn't have a law degree and like end up dropping out because he couldn't afford it like it was just all of these like it was always like oh this he's like the guy who would be like oh, I got things cooking you know I got things in the works oh, he's one of I those see. guys and so he'd always have these like big stories right about what it was he was going to be doing but like no one ever really believed them because yeah. they never knew what to believe that's so interesting because that like, i feel like that's a personality trait to like talk about things before they've happened and like my husband and i are the total opposite we will have extremely big things cooking and then keep them secret from everyone until they happen and then it's like okay now i can talk about it because it's not (laughs) (laughs) it's almost like you're trying to avoid jinxing yourself you know it's like the opposite of the secret if i don't put it out into the universe the universe won't crush me (laughs) well and i find like for myself probably the most lies i tell are like to myself about oh, like, yeah. oh, I'll just get this done right now. No, I won't. Like, stop lying. Mm-hmm. I know myself better than anyone, and that, that thing is never getting done. I'm never painting my basement bathroom. Like, just shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, I've thought about it three times in the last two weeks. Yeah. About, like, going and getting and figuring out what color paint, and I'm like, ah, it seems like a lot of work. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> do so you find that, like, wouldn't it just be easier to be like, fuck that bathroom? <laughs> like... Why do I even have these thoughts anymore? Like, Yeah, it would be easier to let it go, but like, I really dislike the color of it because it's awful, and I would like to paint it, but like, I understand, I know enough about myself to know that I'm going to say, I'm going to paint this bathroom while I'm not at work for the next three months. Right. And it's not going to happen. Yeah. Because I've been saying it now for like eight years. <laughs> <laughs> so you... it's just never going to happen. Do you remember like a big lie that you told like as a kid not not really I'm not good at lying Mm. and I was never good at it so like I didn't I couldn't really like do it without getting caught Mm -hmm. but like I'm trying no I don't remember I'm trying to think like no, I also spent a lot of time at home with my parents, so, like, I didn't really have the opportunity to lie about stuff. Right. And you didn't have a sibling to either enact revenge on or have revenge placed upon you? Yeah, nobody would rat me out, because mm-hmm. it was always, like, me against my parents. Mm-hmm. So, like, like I didn't, it was a different kind of thing. I think the thing that probably, that I think of the most was, I think it was in grade 10, and... I was not doing well in one of my courses. Like, I was, like, somewhere in the 50s. Oh, no. Um, it was physics. It was real bad. Um, physics sucked. And then it got better. Imagine that. I understood the math. And I was like, oh, cool. Uh, like, it was it was fascinating how that works. And uh, I lied to my parents about, like, a mark that I got on a test. because I can't remember what the thing was that I wanted to do. Um. But I needed... And I lied, and then they found out, and I got in some pretty big shit for it. Well, that makes sense. It's just like James, like he was wanting a certain reward, mm-hmm. and so he manipulated you <laughs> or his parents to try to get that reward, regardless mm-hmm. of his own actions. <laughs> yeah, but he didn't manipulate me because he did go pee, and I had to check and you know, 
I had to check, and then that's that was the whole point. Is that I had to check. Because... Wouldn't it be hysterical if he just had like a cup of apple juice hiding? Got him again. Put it past him. Put it past him. Um, what about you for a big lie? Any kind of? Um. Oh, for sure, for sure, for sure. Like having a sister who's four years older than you is just like ripe for lying competitions. Like, did you do this? No. Who did this? Well, Brittany did this. <laughs> did Brittany do this? Yeah, of course she did this. Where's this thing that you took from her room? I don't know. I broke it. It's in the garbage. It's gone. <laughs> like, <laughs> all that kind of shit. When the, what I was just thinking of, like, I didn't have siblings, obviously, but when I was 19, my, no, 19, 20, when I was 20, my friend Lisa and I, we took a train from Edmonton all the way to Halifax and then back. Mm-hmm. And we stopped off in, like, all the major cities along the, the Via Rail line and stuff. Because, like, taking a train uh, back west really sucks because you can only really get off at the major cities and do anything. A um, little bit different out east, but it was really fun. And uh, while my mom and I were sharing a car at the time. And while I was gone, I was in Montreal, mom got a photo radar ticket. And she tried to pretend that it was me. Oh my god. Because she, she didn't pay the photo radar. Like, she didn't pay it right away. It was about halfway through our trip. And so she when it happened, and so we I, we got home kind of just after she got the ticket in the mail. Yeah. And she tried to get really mad at me for getting this photo radar. And I was like, mom, I was in Montreal. I was like, I was like, I know exactly what I was doing that day. We hiked up to the top of like of the hill. Uh huh. In Mon- and I was like, there's no possible way that was me. Pay your ticket. So do you think she was just like, was she genuinely like confused and thought it was you, or was she just like, I'm gonna pin this on someone who wasn't in the province when this happened? Like the logic of it makes no sense to me. Yeah, I don't know what um, my mother's end game was on that, but anyway, she didn't get away with it. I've also only had, like, five photo radar tickets in my life. I've had zero. And three of them have come since I started working at the school that I work at now. <laughs> on the hen day. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah. One There's was, like, no one was going north uh, towards, like, McNally, mm-hmm. where it, like, switches from 60 to 50. Mm-hmm. And then there was another one, like, somewhere else up on the north side. And that's it. <laughs> Fucking Northside, man. That. Swear to God. Fucking Northside, indeed. Yeah. But no, it's the the lying question is a really interesting one. Like, because I don't have a problem with, like, little white lies. Like, the, those don't bother me. Because mm-hmm. I don't think they're harmful. Mm-hmm. But, like, I feel like when you get to the point where you're lying all the time and it's, like, harmful to people, then, like, it's like, what are you, what's the end, like, what is your end game here? What are you doing? Yeah, like, is it... Is it some sort of immediate gratification? Like, because it's not delayed gratification, that's for sure. Because it never turns out to be true. Like, law school guy. Right. So, like, what is the... It must be some sort of ego rush. I wonder if there's, like, chemicals in your brain that react... When you get away with a lie. Man, I wish I was a brain scientist. Yeah, that would be... Yeah, that's a good question. Like, if, if there was something, some sort of, like, chemical reaction that... You know, like, it's like the dopamine effect, right? 
Mm-hmm. Where like, yeah, exactly. Isn't the same kind of thing where you get away with it and you like feel that rush. Mm-hmm. But like, You're like ah shit, yeah, everybody bought it, and then everyone's like, that was a fucking lie. <laughs> but if I feel like what happens, like, and this is the thing, and because I'm not good at lying, I think is probably why this is the way I feel about that. Is like, it would be really hard after a time to like keep track of the lie. Oh, for sure. Right? Because as soon as you tell the lie, then you got to keep telling the lie and you got to like, and then, and then you, at some point you have to remember the lie that you've told. Whereas if you, you have just to have, tell the truth. Yeah. You have to have a very like differing anxiety threshold than the rest of society in order to like not worry or care about or keep track of the lies that you've told right and but i also think like i'm thinking about kids again right like you see videos of and stuff all the time online of parents who like um like the you know they ask their kid like you know did you eat that and the kids got like chocolate all over the face they're like no because <laughs> they know and i think i don't know if like it's lying necessarily is their end goal but i think it's like the idea that um you know, like, you know you're not supposed to do the thing, and then you get asked if you did the thing, and so you're like, no, I didn't do the thing. Of course I didn't do the thing. You told me not to do the thing. And it's So not... is it self-preservation? I think so. Like, you know, like, I think it's, huh. like, for kids especially, like, it's like, no, I didn't do it. Even though the evidence is very clear that you did. It's all over your yeah. face. It's like, you're covered in blue marker. Yeah. It's like, are you sure? <laughs> I, I legitimately saw you painting on the wall. So, like, I know it was you. What about this handy little cell phone video I took? Yeah, of you what's, doing what's the thing. this? Who is this what's person? This oh, that's not you. Oh, well, who is it then? Well, we need to get a fucking priest in here to exercise this poltergeist. <laughs> so, like, in that case, maybe it is a self-preservation thing, right? Like, you know, deep down, you're not supposed to do the thing. And it's not so much lying about doing it, but, like, no, I, I listened. <laughs> like, you know, that kind of... Right. <laughs> But it, but it does the opposite. Well, of course. Well, so like, it's a false instinct drive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. I don't know. If anyone knows an answer to this question, let us know. Because, like, I feel like there's, there has to be some compulsion to do it. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that necessarily, like, when I tell my kids, like, when I tell my kids, oh, I left you my, your work at home. Sorry, I'll have it back to you for Monday. Like, that's just, like, I just, I don't want to tell them the truth that I, A, didn't want to read the shit that they handed in, and B, didn't, was too tired to do it. Like, do you know what I mean? Because I don't think that those are things they need to know. Right. So maybe conflict avoidance. That's part of it as well, right? Like, having that, that way to, like, that, yeah, that way to just be like, oh, I don't want to deal with this, so I'm just going to say the thing that I Mm -hmm. know will, will not broker any more discussions. Right. This is my easy out. Yeah. Like, when kids oh, are late for class, <laughs> and they, like, bring coffee not for, not for, uh, me, and I'm just like, how, why, where's mine? Mm-hmm. And they're like, uh, 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 just sit down, don't do it again. But, like, sometimes kids will come in, and they'll have coffee with themselves, and they'll be like, you know what, miss, I bought you one, but this is what happened. <laughs> And like it's a good story, and I'm like that's yeah, great. Sure, that never happened. What but, is the story? But I will, I will take it because sometimes you know aliens come and steal the coffee, or uh, it got confiscated <laughs> by uh, the secretary in the office because they were really friendly. You know like, what I mean? Uh, one kid came in once and was like, um, he's like, you know, Miss, I was gonna. He's like, I brought you a cup of coffee and I was gonna give it to you. He's like, but then I saw, um, 
my math teacher and he looked like he was having a really rough day so i gave it to him and i was like first of all that never <laughs> happened but i appreciate the effort good job <laughs> also math teachers have like <laughs> the easiest job out of everybody well, actually, that may be a very controversial statement. Do I need to walk that back? I think that we w- I was at school today talking with uh, some colleagues and we were talking about that exact thing. I think in these difficult these times, times, I think math teachers <laughs> have a really hard job. Okay, can we put a fucking taboo on the phrase uncertain times, difficult times? Like, I'm so fucking tired so of what do hearing we call it, that. Then? Can we just call it the never ending present? <laughs> it's just the now times guess what even before this happened the now times were pretty bad oh, it's true they were really <laughs> terrible um they were really bad and maybe they were less bad for you because you're not you know a minority of any you know disability or ethnicity or language or <laughs> like anything in the world you aren't that and now it's hard for you Ah. Well, the thing, yeah, we were talking today about the math teacher and the science teacher thing, and I think their jobs are way harder right now. Yeah, than mine because so much of their stuff is modeling and practice and and direct yeah. instruction and all direct, that kind of stuff. direct, yeah. Which can I tell you? I'm gonna segue hard here. We're gonna take a fucking left turn. All right, are let's you ready? do it. Maybe is it a U-turn? Um, not quite. Okay. We're still tangential, so I'd say it's just a left turn. Okay. Um, but we did not shoulder check or signal. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and we may get a speeding ticket in the mail. Um, I've been trying to keep the old brain sharp. Now, am I failing at that? <laughs> Jury's out. But <laughs> the, I started to, like, just feel like I was getting a bit soft because I don't speak to anyone generally during the day and I don't have like the stimulating conversations that I would have when I was teaching so I went to the U of A website and I was like what are those cool courses that they have for free so I started one the it's like dinosaur paleontology and that was 12 weeks of work and it was satisfying and I felt smart and I got it done and I was like oh what can I do next this one sounds cool black holes 101 it's so fucking hard Megan yeah I didn't take physics in high school and like week one should probably take about like three hours to complete I've probably spent double that and I'm not even halfway through because I have to take so many fucking notes like I understand what a wavelength and a frequency are just from, like, regular science. But, like, I know nothing about light, how it's produced, how it's measured. Like, all of these things I'm having to learn from scratch. And it's just, like, oh, it's so difficult. I don't know how people do this with math things. Math has never been my thing. Why did I try to do this? Yeah, I feel the same way, mostly, about mathematical things, um, for the same reason. Like, my brain just doesn't, doesn't get it as quickly yeah. as I want it to, and I, I find that really frustrating. Mm-hmm. 
Whereas, like, Absolutely. if it's writing-related, it's fine. I can figure it out. Even if it's not a topic that I know a lot about, like, I'll figure it out at some point in time. If I have to read and respond, cool. But, like, math is... <laughs> math is hard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And there's, like, there's so much of it that I'm just like, well, what is that? What does that even mean? Like... I'm learning about the, like, obviously the speed of light is, like, super basic. And I know that. I know that's constant. And I know that just from, like, society and life. But then, to calculate photon energy, do you want to hear the fucking calculation? Yeah, sure. Energy equals H times F. Now, F equals frequency. And H equals Planck's constant. Yep. Yeah. What the fuck is that? <laughs> oh, it's... Have you not learned about Planck's constant? Or is that just a thing you're supposed to find? They said H equals 6.62 times 10 to the negative 34 joule seconds. But what is it? <laughs> like, these... These are the things that fuck me up because they're not tangible. And I'm not, like... I used to think that I wasn't a very... I don't even know if spatial learner is the right thing, but I need to like to be able to see and observe in order to understand. Mm -hmm. So you can't just fucking chuck numbers and whack ass definitions at me and be like, oh yeah, of course. This is this just because it is. But it doesn't mean anything. So you need like, you need like the lesson before that teaches you about Planck's constant. Yeah, I don't think that would help. (laughs) And what it's measuring. Interesting. Yes. Well, um, it was like when I was working um, at the outreach site that I was at for that one year, and I remember mm-hmm. helping this one girl. She was doing like math, like ten three, which is probably the useful stream of math for like most people. Yeah. Um, Taxes, interest. Well, and what she was working on, I can't remember. Anyway, whatever she was working on, whatever it was, and she had to square something. And I said to her, I was like, do you know what that means? And she's like, yeah, I push this button on my calculator. And I was like, ooh, that's not quite, I mean, yes, that's, it does it for you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, but do you know what it means? Like, you know, a number squared, what hap- What that means? And she's like, no. So I showed her and we talked a little bit about exponents and, and how those work. And I was like, so have you ever heard the term square root? And she was like, yes. And I was like, okay, so if a number squared is like a number times itself, then what do you think a square root is? And she looked at me, and she was like, I have no fucking idea. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, okay, cool. So let's go back and think about this for a second. And so, like, I'm Mm -hmm. I'm clearly not a math teacher, right? But I was just like, I I just wanted her to, like, understand what she was doing with the calculator. Yeah. To sort of figure that out. And I said, do you remember in Mm -hmm. elementary school, school, like, learning your times tables? And she's like, yeah. And I said, well, you, this is what, what times tables help you figure out. And I was like, what's five times five? And she was going to punch in her calculator. And I was like, don't you dare. Oh and she's like, uh, 25. And I was like, okay, I want you now, like, hit five and then hit the square button. And she, like, she did. And she was like, oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I was like, all right. So I said, if five times five is 25, what do you think? Is, like, what's the square root of 25? she looked at me, she looked at me, and she was like, five? And I was like, I don't know, hit the button, tell me. And so she did. 
And she was like, okay. And I was like, why do you think it's a square root? And she's like, because that's like smaller than the whole thing. And I was like, yeah, kind of sure. Like we'll go with that. But it was just like this weird sort of disconnect. Yeah. And I was just like, man, we are not doing good things with math. Oh, boy. Well, no. And that's the thing that's frustrating me because it's like this course is taught by like four PhDs. And you're like, if this is 101, what are you assuming that people know? Mm-hmm. Like, maybe someone, like, if you're taking a freaking Bachelor of Science, yeah, they've probably taken chem, bio, math. But, like, I don't think Planck Constant is in any of those, is it? No, it's in physics. That's what I mean. Like, phys- like you're assuming a lot of knowledge mm-hmm. on your free course online. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, the, no, Planck's Constant is very much in physics. Because it's a measurement of energy. Yeah, but it's just, like, the yeah, they're just, like, throwing these, yeah. throwing these things out that are just, like, fucking bizarre, man. Yeah. I'm just, like... It's frustrating. Like, dinosaur paleobiology, super intuitive, like, taxonomies, you're talking about evolution over time, you're talking about, like, discrete intervals, and this is just, like, chaos, just utter chaos in my brain. I mean, 24/7. I feel like it's it's fitting, because it's a course about black holes. Like, I feel like that's a fitting way to be when you're learning about those things. Just yeah. just watch Interstellar and have your brain, have your face melt off. No, well, yeah, they brought that up because there was, like, this video that I actually skipped because I was like, I've seen all these fucking movies. Like, I don't want to know what movies say about black holes. I came to you to learn the real shit. <laughs> so I skipped that. But they, they mentioned that in the video because I just, like, read the transcript instead of wasting my time on ten minutes. <sighs> But, like, the thing with Interstellar, I remember when it came out, is that, I mean, we don't know what happens past the event horizon of a black hole, for a whole mm-hmm. bunch of reasons, um, but apparently the, all of the other science that they, like, included in the movie was very accurate, mm-hmm. which is nice to know, right? It's nice to know that, I mean, it's not surprising because of, like, who directed it, and that he would want it to be correct, right? Like, I sort of feel like that would be a thing, but I also, mm-hmm. like... It was nice to know when I watched it that, like, the questions that I had about the science itself were, like, answerable because they're real. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And not, like, just some sort of made up, like, oh, here's an element called unobtainium. Like, no, that's not real. Go fuck off. (laughs) Also, vibranium, not real. Like, you know what I mean? Whereas, like, the science here and, like, how time bends um, through, like, through relativity, like, I I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, at least this is something that's, like, observable. And we, we know that there's some mathematical background for it. Yeah. Even if that medical, mathematical background is at times, like, speculative. Yes. The the background of the background of the background is rooted in something that can be observed. So I have a question for you. I've, I've long thought this about, like, physics especially. Well, and chemistry too, because there's, like, calculations that involve constants. Okay. What would happen... If all of a sudden oh we discovered that, like, one of these constants, like, I don't know, the force of gravity, right? Mm-hmm. What would happen if we all of a sudden discovered that was wrong? 
that someone that someone done fucked up. But does that mean that like you know they've transposed a nine in what they suspect the number would be, or well, there could be that or whatever. But a straight up decimals in the wrong place, or maybe who <laughs> like, knows? But but um, like what happens then? Because then everything that's based around a particular understanding. That. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that, like, it means then that the numbers are wrong, but that, like, the math isn't wrong, right? Like, because you're still using the same formula to calculate using the wrong numbers. It could be that the, not necessarily, well, to take it a different way, like, if we find out something is wrong, this happens in medicine all the time, is that it's not that the data was wrong, but we didn't understand what the data was trying to represent to us. Mm-hmm. Or there's been, you know, new uh, new data to add to it that we can extrapolate something that perhaps comes to an alternate conclusion. But, like, I don't know, man. These are tough questions. I have another tough question. Why do people you. lie? What if gravity isn't real? <laughs> what if the Earth is flat? I have another tough question for you. Okay. With I was talking with a friend last night because I was I was helping her kind of build some stuff for uh, her social twenties to kind of get through mm-hmm. the, this last little bit, and then we got talking about some other stuff. Um, and we got talking about how you know how we teach about uh, the Enlightenment and some of those Enlightenment thinkers and, and like social theory right talk about Thomas Hobbes and John Locke mm-hmm. and like their their theories about stuff. What how? I don't know how to ask this question. How did <laughs> how did those people like become like like Rousseau for example, right? When he wrote his confessions, like whoever fucking found that was like, "Oh, this is brilliant" because someone could have found him like this is garbage, burn it. Mm-hmm. And so like it, it's not so much a question about like the individuals themselves, but like how do we decide what becomes canon in that respect? Like do you think that like when Rousseau or um, J.S. Mill or whoever, when they're writing their shit, like, did you do you think that they had like delusions of grandeur and were like, oh, everyone's gonna think I'm the smartest person in the world, or were they just like writing stuff? Um. Well, I think it. I think it's both of those, but I think it's also that they they see well they're essentially just social activists right like early social activists they see something about society that they don't feel is right and so here is my theory on why that is or perhaps what a better version of that could be i think that's all it is is an attempt to change minds but it's interesting because like i the reason that we kind of got talking about it is like we were talking about art to start off with and how perceptions of like individuals through art have shifted considerably over time. And like when you look at early, early portraits, like they didn't do perspective. And so it's like all, it looks like children's drawings mm-hmm. and stuff. And so we kind of, and then we got talking about like these thinkers and, and some of their, some of the things that they've left us with, but like, it's the same, it's like the Shakespeare question, right? Like why is Shakespeare the, the person that we study and not Christopher Marlowe? Well, I think it's just that there's, oh, well, I think we know, like, Shakespeare had royal support and backers to popularize his works, and that may have been just happenstance, but it may have been that 
just his works resonate a bit more with a mass populace. Like Oh, for sure. Like if we think about today, like there's if we think on the political spectrum, there's a shit ton of like philosophers that we disagree with who are on the very far right, <laughs> you know? And they have an audience. They see society and they've decided no, this is wrong. This is what who's that fucking Jordan Peterson yeah. dickhole? Uh, he's decided this is what society should be and so he's written books and done speeches and been a general ass of a human being but people look to him and so his books sell and his talks get sold out and he, I think he gets fired from universities but that's okay <laughs> <laughs> it will, and, and for the narrative that he's creating getting fired from university is a better story than not Exactly. Like, it fulfills his perspective on, you know, those darn libs. Yeah. But it was just one of those questions, like, how did we how did we decide that these are the people whose thoughts we're going to, mm-hmm. you know, that we're going to keep talking about all these years later and whatever, just because, you know, because that's always a question that kids ask, like, why do we need to learn about this? Well, because you just do. Like, just shut up. Mm-hmm. Just, and just I think shut with, up, you know? Just shut up. <laughs> That's a way to enlighten kids. <laughs> just shut up. But I think it's it, it goes back to, like, who else propagated this information? Like, I don't know what, you know, Hegel's fucking background was, but someone important or someone influential really liked what he did and disseminated it and further disseminated it from there. Like, it's all about, I think, that kind of transposing that goes on. But, yeah, it's like how that seems totally random. Well, one of the, it, yeah, like last week when I went into work, uh, I was talking with one of my colleagues, it was just the two of us, and we were talking about a bunch of stuff, and like, what are the things that I want to do next year for social is to find sources from, like, not white guys. Uh-huh. Because, and I mean, like, it's really hard in some of our courses, the way that the courses are structured, to yeah. not include the white guys. Because, I mean, like, we have to talk about Thomas Hobbes. What about people like suffragettes or abolitionists or... Oh, yeah, like, all that stuff, like, we can absolutely use that yeah. stuff. But, like, there's so much of the, the course, we still have to kind of, like, pay attention to, obviously, there's a, the a, course a poem exam, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. But, like, and, and that's what I was saying to him. I was like, I'm not trying to, like, build this into some kind of, you know, it's not, like, exclusionary in any capacity. I said, but I think that, like, we need to be better at finding other perspectives. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think we do a good enough job, as it is right now, addressing the fact that there are more than just dead white guys to talk about. But on the flip side, like in grade 11, when we talk about fascism, I don't really know of too many, like, women fascists. Um. Like, do you know what I mean? And so, like, in that case, we I have think to... it's tricky because they don't call themselves that. Right. Well, I mean, Hitler didn't call himself fascist either, but, you know, here we are. Um, but like, you know, so, so we, we have to talk about Hitler we talk about Mussolini and we talk about, you know, and, and we don't have like, we also in like the dictatorships that we discuss when we talk about that in like social 30, like in grade 12, we talk about 
countries, you know, sort of on the extremes of these certain positions, and it tends uh-huh. to be that the leaders, like, the most yeah. extreme leaders tend to be men, right? Like, that's part yeah. of the, that's part of the challenge, but, like, that's my goal for next year, is to be able to find sources for my kids to write about and discuss that aren't necessarily just, like, white guys. Because huh. even right now, like, in my grade 10s, we're talking about economic globalization and prosperity and sustainable prosperity and stuff, and, like, talked about um, Milton Friedman, and I talked about Hayek, oh, you know what I mean? And I'm just like, ugh, yes, like, we have to, because it's part of the thing, but also I'm just like, oh, God, there's got to be someone else. And then there's, like, Margaret Thatcher's thrown in there, this is, like, a re- reaction, too. <laughs> oh, my you God. You know? But I'm just like, oh, boy, this is terrible. But at the same time, I don't want to just, like, have a... You don't want just want like a, a throwaway quote from like I don't know Winnie Mandela just because right like that's the yeah. other that's you want to have something of substance to discuss about it yeah so that's my goal for mm. next year hmm. in whatever whatever my teaching looks like next year oh boy <laughs> yeah exactly get ready to start doing some fucking role playing Megan <laughs> uh, no thanks I'll just get a oh, bunch of shit hats. I would totally be doing that if I was still teaching like fucking buying costumes giving lectures as people if I was oh fucking dressing up as Gatsby talking about oh it'd be so good you would just call your kids old sport instead <laughs> what did you say that my version of that was my dudes my dudes. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's true. Yeah, that made me laugh. It's true. Okay, can we talk about Outlander? Let's now? do it. <laughs> oh boy. Well, you weren't wrong by saying that ending sure is bleak. Oh boy, is it? It was like because. Yikes, McGikes! Like all of the other season finales, if I remember correctly, have all been. Not, like, happy, necessarily, but... But settled. Settled, yes. And, I mean, we know what's coming in the books and whatever, and it's not mm-hmm. settled. And also, the last, like, for sure, the last three episodes, maybe a little bit more, are out of book six, so it's not really mm-hmm. an end either. Mm-hmm. And that's maybe part of the issue. But, like, book five and six, nothing happens in them, so... It's fine. Yeah. yeah. Squish them together, who cares? But, like, if I recall... Well, the end of season two, she leaves. Yeah. But it seems like the other seasons are always like, the last shot is them side by side, arm in arm, looking off towards the distance or some shit like yeah, that. Yeah, but it's this very resilient sort of pose and... Yes. Yeah. Unified yeah. and like, you know, ready to take on the world. And this one is just like, the world's fucking coming for you whether you want it or not. So buckle up. Yep. I was really annoyed by the whole farewell that wasn't a farewell. I know, it was annoying. It was aggravating. I did, like, actually get emotional when she was trying to explain to what's her nuts, Lizzie. Yeah. That actually she can't take her with you. Yeah. I was like, this is the only one I feel bad for. Because Lizzie is a simpleton. Yeah. She's a, she's <laughs> a nice girl. She's a very nice she's girl. A nice, she's a very nice girl. She does not pick up on social cues or body language or anything. No. Um, but she's she's very loyal and she's committed. Yeah. 
and that's fine and good, but <laughs> I don't know how to say this. That doesn't belong in 1960s America. No, no, not at all. And also, like, yeah, she would be as she would be very out of time if she went forward in time. Like, she would be oh, so much worse than Jamie. Yeah. Because he's at least smart. That's the difference between Lizzie and Jamie. He's intelligent. Yeah. he And he's resilient. Like, he... We've talked about this before. He would become, like, a fucking, you know, yeah. carpenter yeah. or whatever. Figure something he'd, out. He'd, he'd find a trade. Yeah. Or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Um, but that was, like, really... It just felt like a waste of time. It felt like... I don't know. What did you feel about it? Well, I felt... So, I had two thoughts about it. Because my thought when they, like, went through and they, like, the looks on their faces. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. And then it's just, you know, Ian. Um, (laughs) Part of it... I love Ian. Like, don't get me wrong. But part of me... Three... I mean, and I understand why they would have been so surprised. Right? Mm -hmm. Just because... But as soon as, like, what's... As soon as Jemmy, like, runs away, I was like, well, clearly they didn't go anywhere. Because... He's, you know, he's, like, running towards something that he knows. Yeah. Like, so it was familiar. So I was like, oh, whatever. But the thing... And the setting was exactly the same. Yes. Like, there was no change in, I'm assuming, mass deforestation mm-hmm. and pollution that had occurred in the 300 years between. Yeah. Like... Yeah. And so there's that. But the thing that I kept thinking of is, what if Roger goes back to the 10th century and gets stabbed? Because... <laughs> Because Richard Rankin is in, you know, whatever, two episodes of Last Kingdom or whatever. And I just kept thinking yeah. about that. Like, if instead of going forward, what if he goes back to the 10th century and that's what we see and then he dies? Yeah, which is, like, par for the course, like, nailing it. Yeah, like, he would have literally, like, he would have fallen somehow onto a sword. Like, that's what would have happened to <laughs> And not for any kind of heroic anything. He, like, would have fallen out of the stone and been impaled. No, he fell out of the stone and he scraped his head on some rock that had some fucking scary-ass 10th century bacteria. <laughs> and just died immediately. Um, yeah, that was... It was just... It felt cheap. A little bit, yeah. And... This is what I don't understand. I thought the books established that they don't need jewels to get through. They find that out later, I think. Because what's her nuts? Um, the witch lady. Gillis Duncan, yeah. Yeah, she thought that you, A, had to sacrifice someone, and B, needed jewels. And then I swear in book three they figured out that neither of those was true. Did Claire have a jewel when she came through the first time? No. Well, then why are they so obsessed with these? I think, well, I don't know about the... The, the jewels, like, what their take is for... To have wealth. Like, that's what it is. It's more than... Oh, that's Yeah, they don't I need see. anything. But with, with Jemmy, when he touches the stone and it feels hot and then it breaks, like, that's the... Yeah. So... But she made Jemmy hold a jewel in his hand as they went through. Well, in case they got ripped apart, I think. Huh. So they each had one. Interesting. Yeah, but that's why it's a wealth thing because the precious stones are tradable. Whereas, like, what the fuck could you do with a coin yeah. from 1772 North Carolina? Right? Like, right. I mean, right, to right. be fair, it would be worth something. 
but but not as much yeah. as like a fucking sapphire yeah and so that's why i think that's why they each had one but i was like why would you okay. and i don't know that they like and that's and because i don't think they need to hold it in their hand no so like why wouldn't you put it in his fucking pocket he's a toddler i know that's why i was just like why are they focusing on this so much they could have just said like here's the three things i made a little fucking pouch for you out of snake skin or whatever the fuck yeah. throw it in your pocket so that you can go back and start a life because all oh, right both of you abandoned everything to come here uh-huh. like that that makes more sense to me they just made such a big deal out of it uh-huh. i know it was weird and like and yeah they made a big deal of this farewell that like ultimately wasn't and like yeah. and it felt yeah it was cheap and it felt like unfinished somehow because what happens then in the next episode i think make would yeah. be would have been so much harder to deal with had Brian Roger not been back there yeah for claire for sure yeah for one well, for Jamie as well right like that yeah you know i okay well we should talk about the last episode cuz it was rough. It was real rough. It was really rough. Um, what was your take on this uh, device of of Claire's? Halluc- I guess I don't know if even hallucination is the right word for it, but imaginings of her current circumstances, but in a nineteen sixty fantasy setting. So, can we talk about the setting for just a second? Because it was beautiful. Sure. Oh my god, I was like, this house is amazing. I want it. I need this house. Yeah. I want this I know, house. I know, t- Reva and I were watching it at the same time, and I texted her, and I was like, I want this house. And she's like, me too. <laughs> like, it, phenomenal. It's gorgeous. And Claire, in all of her, like, like she, oh, I mean, she looks good in everything, but like, stuff. she looks so good in the hair and all of that stuff. And yes. I really, and it was actually kind of fun to see, like, the other characters in modern-ish clothes, right? And not, and... Yeah. Which I thought Ian was... Ian in a military uniform. Which and... totally could see it happening, yep. But Jamie was still in his regular stuff. I know, which I thought was really interesting. And then I got thinking about the ghost, and I was like, oh, I got too many things to think about. I gotta stop now. Because, like... So, wait, before we go on. So, it was that her being unable to imagine Jamie in her present time? Is that what that symbolizes? I think partially. I think that was what that had to do with. Huh. Or that somehow there was a thing that was going to, like, keep them apart. Oh, I see. Right? Not necessarily him not being able to be there, but, like, there's these, there's this big difference between them now. Hmm. Because of her current... Yeah. Yeah. Trauma, got it. And, like, trauma is the word. Yeah, I remembered this happening, and I remember being really upset reading it, and I fast-forwarded through most of those scenes, to be honest. Well, and it was interesting, too, because I had forgotten that the what's-his-face Donner was, like, a traveler. Yeah, because at first, I was like, why is this guy being kind to her? Like, I, I was like, what is what is he doing? And then and then when he introduced himself, I was like, oh, right. And asked about yeah. Ringo Starr. I was like, oh, right, yes, yes, this happens now. Which, again, because it's not all shit out of book five, like, I have to sort of think back and remember what comes out of book six and what's coming next in order to, like, piece it all together. So I felt like the other four seasons, I felt, were all, like, a book and then, a, like, 
season one was book one and season two for the most part yeah. it was a lot less confusing to me so continuing to talk about time here he's talking about i forget their names already um the the indian man who came back from the future to change the fate of the native americans and he died and that's the ghost that's like haunting claire yes correct yes so what i didn't understand was like what is a time period between that guy dying and donner trying to find him i have no idea because that was like a straight up totally decomposing strip skull Mm -hmm. (laughs) like that would take years of decomposition yeah so like what is happening i don't know i'm not sure what the his timeline is not sure at all um but like yeah that whole scene was very upsetting like just all of it was very upsetting to me, and and yeah. it's and it's born. It's like that thing that like that sort of reaction from the Browns and from everybody else. Like it's born out of fear, right? Like they mm-hmm. they don't trust this woman who knows more than they do ultimately. Mm-hmm. And it's just... oh, but he was also a fucking bastard. Oh, for like, sure. He's been a sadist fuck since day one, no doubt about it. Like this really didn't have much to do with Claire at all. Like, he clearly dominates and beats his wife. He probably did the same to his daughter, and that's why she was like, a handsome young boy, get me the fuck out of here. Yeah. But, like, at the end, so, but him and his, when he, and that realization that he has before that she's Dr. Rollins, or whatever, Mm -hmm. Which she's not. And for, I was like, fuck, you wouldn't be able to read. Anyway, I have, like, lots of issues with literacy. Oh. Um, like, he's too poor to read. Oh. I think. I didn't even consider that. Like, I have lots of issues in, in the way that it's portrayed that, like, I don't think... Like, Jamie's educated. We know this. Yes. Um, he's He was educated abroad. Yes. <laughs> Yes, but he's educated, and he speaks a bunch of different languages and whatever. Um, And we know that Claire, obviously, is educated. We know that Brianna and Roger can read. Mm -hmm. Uh, We know that... Wouldn't that be fucking crazy if Roger didn't even know how to read? (laughs) Because he's a a traveler from the 10th century, see? And all he can read is church Latin. Is Latin, yeah. Um, but, like, so we know that they can, and I'm pretty sure Fergus can as well. I'm pretty sure that Jamie made sure of that. Oh, yeah. But, like, absolutely. I don't think Lizzie can read. Oh. And if she can, not very well, right? Like, you know what I mean? And so my problem... But what about Marsley, then? Well, I think I think Marsley can read because Claire has taught her. Oh, as part as of As part her... of the, Yeah. Her training. Because I think in the book, if I remember correctly, Marsley's training goes takes a lot longer. And that's part of... You know what I mean? Like, it just... They spend a lot more yeah. time dealing with it and whatever. But, like... So, I have had a lot of issues with these characters who are very literate. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't think they would have been. Okay. You know what I mean? And so, like, for example, I don't think, like... I don't think the Browns are wealthy enough to have been literate, if that makes any sense at all. Like, they have a little... So then how does his wife 
read the newspaper. Well, that's the that's sort of my thing, right? And I don't, yeah. you know what I mean? And I think that just becomes a plot device more than anything mm-hmm. else. And so, like, I just, I've always, I've often wondered about that. Because, like, literacy was very much a privilege. Mm-hmm. Right? And especially literacy, like, in the vernacular was a privilege. Where, mm-hmm. where you know what I mean? And so, like, I, I often wonder when you don't have exposure and you're with a whole bunch of other people who don't read all that well. Like, how are you getting any better? Mm-hmm. There's no one to yeah, teach Yeah, and how are you able to comprehend what she's even talking about in her newspaper article? Yeah, like, like look at Stephen Bonnet, for example. Yeah. Right? I mean, he figured out his way through life being illiterate. Mm-hmm. And, I th- and, like, he had a shitty hard-scrabble upbringing, obviously. But, like, I feel like the circumstance that he was in is very similar to the circumstances that a lot of these other characters that we've encountered have been in and they made no bones about the fact that he couldn't read that's true and I don't think that the Browns would be like taking the time (laughs) to put a priority into literacy no and and I can't imagine that he would want his wife to be literate because then she might learn things yeah well that's what he's mad about Right, and so but, to me, like, I feel like, mm-hmm. I don't know, I've I've often had issues with that, and how that sort of works. Yeah. But I tend to think that in most period pieces, that, like, there are too many people who know how to read well. And people are also way too fucking trusting. Yes. Oh, I come with a letter from the king. How do you know that? <laughs> well, I have the same issues with, like, the how last kingdom. How are we kingdom. supposed to trust same Oh, thing, yeah, right? we talked about this. Like, and it's, a, it's the same thing, but, like, but like I always think when I watch period dramas of some kind that, like, the people are way too literate for what the time would have dictated for their, like, station mm-hmm. in life. Yeah. Right? And so, like, I had a problem with that. But, like, as so I'm watching this, and then I feel like my heart absolutely broke for Marsley. I know. That she had to make that choice and that she did that. Because it doesn't happen that way in the book. I can't remember how it happens in the book, but she doesn't do it. But you know what? I liked it. Well, I liked it too, but it just, it was hard to watch. It was. Also, Claire can be so fucking moral sometimes it drives me crazy. Yeah. Like, Brie killed Stephen Bonnet straight up in cold blood. Yep. She did what her mother could not well, I think with Claire, though, like, I, if, and I mean, obviously she's a doctor and she's taken the oath, and I think that's part of it, right? Where there's still that piece of her that, like, is holding on to that as sort of the justification for a lot of the things that she has done, right? And knowing, mm. I mean, at the end of the day, like, Jamie would have killed him. So, like, you know what I mean? She's not like she's she's at a loss for people to do the murdering for her. Right. Yeah, I know, but I'm just... But I mean, I think, I think for her as well, because I mean, you got to remember, like she was a nurse in World War II and then Mm -hmm. she becomes a doctor and she loses patients even when she does all of the things right. And so I wonder if Mm -hmm. there's, if that's part of it for her that like, you know, even when she's doing the very best that she can, they still die. And so like, maybe she's just at the point where she like, doesn't want to be the one who's like responsible for making the decision for the patient to die. Like, do you know what I mean? Where like, cause that's not how she what she's trying to do and everything else that she's like, she's trying to make the best decisions for all of these patients that she's seeing at all times. And then 
she has this patient that because I who I guess I understand I was so mad at him when he's like on the table and he's like have mercy have mercy I'm like are you fucking kidding me you straight up kidnapped this woman took her into the forest and you and her your merry gang of men raped her and beat her for an unknown time and now that you're caught you're begging for mercy yeah what mercy do you deserve? Like, and it was quite some time. Yeah. Because Bree and Roger had left, and by the time they get back, like, they see that the cross is lit. Yeah. And it was, they said it would take them two weeks to get there. Yeah. And they, Claire had said they should probably be getting to the stones by now. Yes. And then that was the day. So it was at least two weeks. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. And so, yeah, like, he had no right to be asking for mercy. But I just wonder with her if that's part of it, where she's, like, you know, she she has it, the, this moral code that she sort of lives by. Because if she doesn't, she doesn't know how to, like, behave anymore. You think that's her trying to cling on to anything from the 20th century? I think a little bit, yeah. I think... When Bree's just like, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> Throw all my my morals and considerations out the window. But Brie also didn't have that same, like, professional obligation to uphold that that Claire does, right? And I think that's the difference, where, like, Claire had to... True. Claire's also extremely rigid. Yes. Like, fucking in season three, when that guy attacks her, and he's got fucking swelling in his brain, and she's like, well, I need to do brain surgery now. It's just like, good lord. Yeah. I know. Yeah, there are things about that, but no, it was uh, it was a very bleak, it was a very bleak couple of episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I well, mean, especially the end scene. Yeah, they're just like nude in each other's arms, like fucking John Lennon and Yoko on top of the <laughs> covers as the literal thunderstorm crashes towards them. Yeah. Like, talk about. <laughs> text and no subtext yeah this was the it was like this episode was directed by spike lee like it was just yes here's what you need Written to know and directed <laughs> yeah but it was i mean it the thing about this and again the, this is the problem with like season five is that there's lots of stuff that happens in the book but like at the same time nothing happens mm-hmm. and same with like the first half of book six Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of nothing that happens. Uh, it's kind of like in the Fellowship where they just walk and sing. Like, yeah. With, you know. And it's just like things happen to them, but they're inconsequential in the long term. Yes. I mean, like, but like Claire has been through so much fucking trauma, right? Like, oh, it's just. Her talking to Jamie about. It reminded me again of that fucking groundhog scene when he's like, I've been shot, I've been stabbed, I've been electrocuted, I threw myself (laughs) off a fucking water tower. Like, everything has happened to Claire, and when she said, and I survived, I was just like, holy shit. Mm -hmm. Like, we call Jamie king of men, king of trauma, we really undermine Claire and everything she's been through. Well, because she she goes through and she has that like, she goes through it and she has that like stiff upper lip about it mm-hmm. until she's alone, 
Mm-hmm. Right. And then she just absolutely breaks down. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things about her that I find frustrating. Which... Well, she's British. Well, no, I, I understand <laughs> that. But, like, she's like she's such a meddler in so many other ways. But, like, right. she needs... The, like, she can't let other people alone. But she needs the space to, like, be alone. And mm-hmm. that bugs me sometimes. I think she's, like, over time, though, I think she's changed that. Yes. Because she was content to, like, let Roger be when he was going through she was like he just needs time he just needs time we just have to be patient so like she's I think that's changed over time but man I don't know how she copes with this I don't know either and she was just telling Jamie that everyone would be safer if they went back to the future and that's their, like, justification. Well, you know that Jemmy can go, so it'll be safe for you there. You need to go. And then they go, and she's literally assaulted in the worst way. Yeah, it was awful. It was awful to watch. And, like, but even, like, the camera work on her, right? When mm-hmm. And, like, she just endured it. Yeah. And, like, and I, I read an interview really with uh, Katrina Balf after the fact, and she said that, like, when that you know, because it's, I mean, it is part of the book and whatever, but, like, Diana, stop using rape as a plot device and... Yeah, duh. Better with it. But, like, she said that they they made a really concerted effort to show what they showed without, obviously, showing, like, the the incredibly brutal aspects of it, but they Mm -hmm. also weren't, like, cutting away so that you could just assume what was happening. And it was very intentional. You saw the trauma being inflicted but you didn't see the trauma itself yes and and they made a very intentional um decision to do so and then i don't know if you watched it like did you watch the credits Um... at the end because like they did the song and it was an acapella version of like the theme song and then it just stopped and it just ran through the rest of the credits and it was super unsettling Have they said how many seasons this is going to continue? No, but I was looking to try and figure out, like, what's going to happen story-wise, like, with the books. And there's two more books. I think nine comes out this year, and then she's planned, like, to finish it at ten. And I'm just like, Diana, stop. I know. Yeah, like, it's just like... It's, there's just so many things. How much more can you <laughs> subject these people to? Well, at least we know it's coming next, and a lot of it is, like, mm-hmm. rebellion and, like, revolution-related, revolution, yeah. so it's a different kind of drama, and I feel like that it, it'll be a little bit more palatable. Because mm-hmm. th- this season, as much as, like, I appreciated that a lot of the big things that happened were, like, just big for the family and not big for the world... Mm-hmm. But, like, I couldn't have that all the time, right? That would get boring after a while. And so, like, I'm, I'm fine with the revolution sort of taking center stage in the next little bit. Yeah. And having them, yeah, fight for something that's bigger than they are would be nice. Yeah. Because this, like, interpersonal stuff is just, like, really, really rough this season. Well, and ultimately, like... They li- they're basically living in quarantine just like we are, right? Like, they only s- they see the same yeah. people all the time. So, like, how much drama can there actually be? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess if your wife isn't a healer, there's probably even less drama. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I also wonder, too, if, like, some of those those settlers, if they just resent Jamie just for all of the things. Right? Like, he comes in, hasn't hasn't had to do as much work as they've had to do, right? Like, hasn't, has like, he just kind of shows up and he's got some money behind him and whatever and is able to build this big house and all this kind of stuff. And I, But he's also, like... Jamie would defend them in any circumstance whatsoever. Oh, of course he would. I think that they know that. Because it's not like he's... These are all essentially strangers. Like, a lot of them are sort of... If not people he knew in Scotland, then, you know, relative of relative of relative. But I wonder sometimes if they look at, like, the big house, and you know, all that kind of stuff, and they're just like, ugh. But he's also the laird, right? Like, it's... I think they would understand that. I think they would... I think they are a very... I don't know. I don't know why I'm justifying this clearly. <laughs> Superior. But the other thing I thought was really has. interesting, too, and I mean, I know obviously how it happens in the book, but he's got the cross, like, ready to light. Mm-hmm. And then the thing he lights it for is, like, help me find my wife. Which... For so many reasons, it was a is a really great thing. Mm-hmm. Because, like, as much as there's all this other shit going on, like, at at the core of all of this stuff, this is still very much a love story. Mm-hmm. And, like, she's the most important thing in the world to him. Yeah, and absolutely. And, like, I mean, he was very sad that, like, Brianna was le- going to leave. And that Jemmy oh, was leaving. Oh, heartbreaking. But, like, yes. but he still had Claire... Yeah. And so n- and she still had him. Yes, and so now Jamie is back, and Claire is gone, and Brianna and Roger have just left to travel back through the stones. Mm-hmm. And so the only thing, only one of those three things that he can control, is finding Claire. Yeah, that's true. I didn't think about it that way. But so, like, I mean, as much as I feel like the cross, like I was thinking about it, it's like a way to communicate, obviously, right? And like. But it's just like help me find my wife, and in, in some ways, like it feels kind of like banal a little bit, because mm-hmm. you would think that, that would be like a, a system for something a little bit more, more grave. But like for him in that moment, like that's the only thing that matters is getting her back. But also, it's not like she ran away. The house was attacked. The yes. still oh, was blown exactly. up. Marsley was assaulted. Like. She was straight up kidnapped. Yes, and so it, it becomes, you know, we've got... And, like, it's not like we didn't know who took her either, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know. But it was just... I, and I liked it, and I liked the image of, like, the cross being lit and, and it burning. And, like, there's something about that that I thought was really kind of poetic. Mm-hmm. Me too. As this, like, symbol to look at. I mean, it was good. This season, like, it was had some really good stuff and then some not as good stuff. Yeah, it just felt really uneven. But I feel like, like it dropped off. Because I would say the first half was really good. Really? And then it just kind of like... I think when we got to Roger in the silent movie was kind of where it lost me. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, that was about four weeks ago. So, yeah, yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. I did, like, one of the things that I really enjoyed from these last two episodes was young Ian playing with the children. Yes. And just, like, seeing that joy in him a little bit. Because he's been so... He's obviously come back so cheap. Well, my husband decided to run on the treadmill, so we're going to have to... (laughs) 
wrap this up soon because it's just a terrible noise. Um, <laughs> but it was just nice to see that like light in him again. Well, and when he asked Claire if she could like go back through time and like fix something, mm-hmm. I was just like, oh boy. I know. And like how he wants to go with them. And I'm like, oh, sweetie. Yeah. Oh, sweetie. Let's talk, talk with someone who would not fit in in the future. I think he'd fit in in like 1990s San Francisco. Maybe. Yeah, he could he could rock that hairstyle and then no one would ask any questions. <laughs> Absolutely. It's either 10th century England <laughs> or... 1990s San Francisco. Yeah, but he would absolutely fight with the Danes, let's be honest here. Mm-hmm. Um, I also watched uh, this week on Netflix, there's a, like, based on real events, uh, show called Dirty John. Yes, I've seen that as well. So I hadn't watched it before. I'd read the article in the LA Times when it first came out, and it was fascinating. And then I when I found out Connie Britton was in it, I was like, yeah, done deal. Um, mm-hmm. That I, I did not think I could dislike Eric Bana for anything. I know, and, I, and he's so, he's such he's, a dreamboat. He's despicable in this. He is. He's absolutely disgusting. And, like, good, like, kudos to him for acting the hell out of that role. Yeah. Like, it was, it was shocking to me how much oh, I hated sure. him. And I didn't understand, like, he... He had bad vibes written all over him from the get-go. Yep. And nobody <laughs> felt that way. <laughs> it's just like, guys, open your eyes. I know. I know. Well, and I mean, the thing, like, and it's interesting with her, like, with, with Deborah, like, because I know, like, in real life, she had been married four times and, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And, and, like, so I understand, like, right off the hop, her kids, like, their skepticism about it. Her kids are also fucking terrible. Oh, they are. They're the worst. Like, all they do... And I was just... I felt so bad for her, like, when you see those scenes in therapy. And she's just, like... She's actually trying really hard to understand her kids and, like, empathize with them. And they're... And even, like, use respectful language with them and just be like, when you do this, I feel like this. And they're just so awful to her. Well, yeah. Oh, and, man. like... She doesn't, I mean, oh. I just put my hand oh, on the headphones in. It's not working. Okay. I just put my headphones <laughs> in because my phone's finally charged enough. Um, and, like, yeah, she was so very, like, she was trying so hard. And, like, she was very, obviously, very yeah. wealthy and, like, doing her thing, mm-hmm. right? And so, like, she mm-hmm. became an easy target for for men, I think, because she had so much money. And, like, I mean, some of the details, obviously, are are different than what I had read in the LA Times piece and probably what had actually happened but like you know like the bag of cash that she had at her house yeah she had a huge bag of cash at her house in case there was an emergency and I was like oh yeah like how much money is in there and she's like I don't know like maybe eighty thousand dollars like Jesus Christ like yeah that's I don't understand that I mean I get I get keeping cash on hand for an emergency situation but that seems like a lot of cash but like she was just I think for her like I, I got the sense through both reading and watching it, like, she just really wanted someone to love her. Yeah, she did. And so she super she did. said all the right things, and she felt like she, but I was like, who gets married? Like, you've already been married four times. How do you get married after eight weeks? I don't understand. I know. And also, like, if you've been married four times, like, why even get married? Just be together. Yeah. 
Like, what does it? Yeah, and he. What does it yeah, like he's been married before. You've been married before. Like, why are we doing this again? Yeah, and like sign a fucking prenup, Deb. Come on. Ugh, God. Like, especially because you're a business owner and you are so successful. Like, yeah. What are you doing? That apartment she lived in with her daughter was fucking nuts. It was unreal. It was absolutely unreal. Yeah, and then like, well, apparently, and like the rent on her place, like for, in real life, was like sixty five hundred bucks a month. <laughs> what? Yeah. That's so much money. Oh, I mean, if you have it, spend it, right? Like, do what you want to do with it. But I was just like, holy shit. Like, and and she paid for, like, a year lease, like, up front, right? Like, it was just, you know? Jeez. Talk about being liquid. But it was just, it was was really well done and, like, really well, really well made and really well acted. And, like, man, he was just so fucking creepy. Yeah, he was. And, yeah, you're right. Eric Bennett doesn't get... Enough credit for how good he pulled that no, off. No, because, like, he's not that kind of... Like, whenever I see him in anything else, even when he's, like, not playing, like, a, you know, like, a good guy or whatever, like, he's fine. He's, he's an Aussie. Yeah. Like, he's a good actor, <laughs> right? He's a, he's a really he good actor, and you kind of forget that, but then you see something like this, and, like, he had that ability to just, like, change his eyes. Yeah. Right? And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, shit. Like, this guy's gonna murder somebody. Mm-hmm. Um... And yeah, like, I just, and I mean, I felt when it was over, like, it was nice that it was over, ultimately, because I was like, man, that was a lot. Like, there's a lot going on here. Um, but it was, I thought it was really well done, and I'm annoyed that I didn't watch it sooner. Did you empathize with any of the, I don't, I don't know if victims is the right word, but. Not really. Yeah, that's what I struggled. I actually didn't make it to the end, because I was like, as much as I know this guy is a bastard and some shit's going to go down. I just don't care about the family enough. Which is a horrible thing to say because obviously it's based on true events. But, like, as a television show, yeah, you, you should frame it so that you're like, this is a story about a terrible crime. You need to have your audience care about that. Yeah. Because, yeah, her, both of her daughters, just... I think of the all the family members that I felt the sorriest for was probably her nephew, when John said to him, like, like made the, the, said the thing about, like, it's a good thing that your father killed your mother, and whatever, <sighs> like, like, I probably felt the most empathy for him, because he was, like, trying his best, ultimately, yeah. to, like, have a relationship with his aunt, but then she's, like, with this sociopath, and like and he just seemed like he was just yeah just trying to get by that nephew yeah like just trying to kind of live his life and you know dealing with his own trauma from childhood and, yeah. and whatever and like yeah i didn't i think the person i probably had the most empathy towards was like john's first wife why because well with like she was the nurse right and so nurse doc whatever she was and like with just with the kids and just like how like the threats that he leveled at her and that kind of stuff and so when she finally reported like went to the cops with the drugs that he had stolen from the hospital and mm. and then the cop like was like you know like you understand what this could look like that these you stole these and you're trying to frame him and she's like i understand that i'm here anyway because i didn't and like just sort of the fear that she lived in i think yeah. was probably the most like palpable that I felt but the rest of it like when he at the in the last episode and if you didn't get there so he's like he was outside the older 
daughter's apartment. Mm-hmm. And so, like, she'd come home from somewhere. She was, like, in an Uber or whatever. And she gets dropped off. And then she realizes she looks across and she sees him. Like, he's just sitting across the street, you know, He's in a dark car, lights are all off, whatever. He's just sitting there. So she gets stalking her. Yeah, and so so she so she like makes a noise that he hears ultimately and he takes off. And so she gets back in the car and she's like, Dry, like you gotta follow him. And so they follow him as long as he can and she calls her sister to be like, Hey, he was just in my apartment, like this is the car he's driving, he doesn't have any taillights. Uh so like look out for him, ultimately. Mm-hmm. Um and then that's the ne- the next day is like when he goes to the parkade of like the apartment building that the younger daughter lives in but you see him the next day uh re like hook the taillights up again so he clearly had done it on purpose on purpose yeah. and when i saw i was just like oh my god like he thought of fucking everything he did like everything was calculated and he had, a, for and sure. he had an answer for every question like like you want to talk about lying, right? He had he had exactly. a, an answer for absolutely everything, and even if it didn't make sense, like he had one. He's like, "Oh, it was just this. It's no big deal. Oh, it's just this. Oh yeah, like I took cash for this, so it's it's not a big deal. Oh, you don't have to claim it. Like it's just like this, you know, over and over and over." And I was just like, "Fuck, man, holy shit!" But also, like, isn't it human nature when you're given a simple answer? Why would you? question it oh of course absolutely right like so he obviously was well practiced in that type of yeah deception yeah and it was it was really like it's really well done and i mean i remember reading the the article when it first came out and i was just like man this cannot be real because it just felt like you're reading it and you're like this timeline is fucking nuts yeah (laughs) like like, it (laughs) happened so fast so fast why can you just like invite people into your family so quickly it takes me like 10 years well and like the thing that i found the most interesting was like the first date that they went on they're like back at her apartment and he like lays down on the bed and she didn't like that and he Mm -hmm. left in a huff and then she like gave him another chance i was like bitch what are you doing i know there's just so many (laughs) red flags from the start but again i think you're right she was lonely and she yeah and didn't have was looking love. for love in all the and she didn't places. have a great relationship with her kids. No, like it was fine, but it like there was it wasn't like a bad relationship, but it wasn't a great one, right? Mm-hmm. And and yeah, like it was just oh, there's so many things, and like her own mother, the, all that shit was weird. Like the whole thing was bizarre. It really was super bizarre. And like if I didn't know that it was based on a true story, I would be like, man, how did they write this? Like who came up with this? <laughs> yeah because the logical jumps that happen and like that's what i appreciate about the show because he'd like tell some bullshit lie and then the people would be like oh well connie Britton would be like oh, okay darling whatever and she'd like walk to another room and then he'd be like <laughs> suspicious eyes left and right like <laughs> yeah well and like even just crazy. you know how he um how he uh like set up the the cameras at her business and also the cameras in the house right and mm-hmm. and he framed it by well yeah we're gonna put these in. like you know you've there's a lot lots of money going through here and just want to make sure that you're safe and like if you're looking for someone to care for you i think that you know even if it feels a little bit weird you're like yeah that actually sounds like a good idea and you know what? let's install mm-hmm. these at home too just in case 
Yeah, because you've got a bag of $80,000 in your Yeah, and also, like, we're right on the beach, and, like, people know that if you're living here, obviously we got money. Like, there's all these kind of things. And so those things make sense, right? Mm -hmm. And so none of the, like, honestly, truly, none of the the things that came out in the show of, like, stuff that he told her, none of it really didn't make sense. Mm -hmm. Which I think is the most interesting part of, like, 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 that manipulation tool, right? He's, like, he was obviously very smart in that way to know what to say that, like, wasn't going to get questioned. But also, just, like, weird vibes. Yeah. Yeah. And even, like, calling the one daughter kiddo, like, after, I'm just like, wait, no, that, no, that's not okay. You're not related. That, don't do that. Mm-mm. Like, yeah, it was, it was really good. I really enjoyed it. And it was, I mean, I, as soon as I saw that Connie Britton was in, I was like, well, I'll just watch all of this now. Um, you know, she's amazing. And she's phenomenal. And, like, I just, yeah, it, I was really, really shocked by seeing some of that stuff play out, knowing kind of what had happened already. And, mm-hmm. and then not, and still being able to be surprised by some of it, I thought was really good. And then the episode, I think it might have been the ninth episode, they showed kind of the whole story from his perspective, like, as quickly as possible. They just kind of rolled through, like, all of the things that he had done mm-hmm. to, to, like, sort of weasel his way into her life and all this kind of stuff. And that was really interesting, too, because it was, like, we saw lots of it, obviously, from her perspective. And then it showed yeah. the other side of things, like, while she was doing this, this is what he was doing. But like oh God, the way that it, that's terrifying. the way that it ended up, like ultimately she was way way less dumb than he thought she was, because she was able like she she tricked him ultimately, mm-hmm. um, and he wasn't counting on because he kept thinking he was getting away with stuff and she was like at the same time compiling evidence against him. But then she found out like in the last episode that he had a trailer that he was still go to once in a while, and like. You know, just to hang. Everyone needs some alone time. Well, he had this trailer, and he was like, you know, kind of seeing other women and like all this other stuff that was going on. Anyway, it was bizarre. It was absolutely bizarre. You should watch it. It's good. For those of you that haven't, check it out. It's like true crime stuff. True crime stuff is interesting. Mm-hmm. The podcast is also really interesting. I don't know if you've listened to it. No, I haven't. Yeah, but I've heard like. I haven't heard that one specifically, but I've heard, like, other podcasts kind of version of it, so I just feel like it's played for me a little bit. Yeah, the, I, Is it, isn't it, like, freaking ten episodes on the podcast? Yeah, it's a lot. I've only listened to two. Yeah. But it's, I th- it's like, the author of the article who's put it out, and so, yeah. like, so it's, it's interesting stuff. Like, there's some interesting things going on there. But yeah, it was just, like, a, it was just a fascinating, fascinating thing. Um, before we go, can we do the thing that I sent you yesterday that made you mad? Yeah, sure. I just gotta find the image again, because I just, like, looked at it once and then closed it in disgust. <laughs> we'll post this on the Instagram So I saw sure. this on Twitter, and so I didn't have anything to do with making it, because if I had made it, it would be very different. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have a $15 budget, mm-hmm. and you have to pick two actors, two actresses, and a director. And Kelsey's first question was, why can't I pick all actresses? And I was like, I don't know. I didn't make the rules. Um, mm-hmm. Second of all, I don't understand the actors. It's fucking crazy. It's fucking crazy the people they put in these categories. Jack Nicholson as $5. Nicholas Cage as 6 Nicholas Cage, the most expensive actor? Are you fucking kidding know, me? Seems... Of course it's Tom Cruise or Leo or Will Smith. That seems insane. I know. So you have fifteen bucks to build your build your movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was looking at the directors, and like the one dollar directors are phenomenal. 
I know. Can you believe Ryan Coogler is a $1 director? I know. And, like... That's insane. Say whatever you want to say about, like, Terrence Malick. I think he makes great movies, and, like, he's more than a $1 director. Just, Mm -hmm. right? Like, anyway. Uh, I would put, like, I don't know... Yeah, anyway. I just thought it was funny. It just kind of made me laugh. Um, So, yeah, we'll post the picture so that you can see it. Uh, See what we're talking about. But I was when I was looking, too, I thought, like, oh, it was, like, Jordan Peele, four bucks. I was like, okay. I like it. Mm -hmm. That seems appropriate to me. So do I have to pick two actors and two actresses? Can you pick one actor and three actresses? Can you manage? (sighs) Yeah, I can manage. Okay. I gotta do the math in my head now, though. And this is just, like, hell. Okay. I want... You talk over me doing my decision in my brain. Okay, here. so, yeah, so I found that, and I just thought it was a fun, like, a funny little thing, but then when I started actually looking at it, I was like, these categories suck. And some of the people, I was like, who are these people? The actresses one, I think, is, like, problematic to better. me. Oh, really? Well, I, just, I thought it, it was, It's like, better more... than the men, but I was just like, ah, there's, like, other people that I feel like I would have thrown in there. Like, Sally Field, I like her, but what's she done... Lately. recently enough to like warrant inclusion on this mm-hmm. you know things like that or yeah anyway whatever it is what it is and then there, and like holly hunter same thing like she's fine but i don't know like where's julianne moore okay. oh she's in the top there she is never mind but you know what i mean like where's there i just i just felt like who there is was... pam greer she was in uh jackie brown She's really good. Yeah, but you're putting that as a fort. That was fucking 30 years ago. I know. I know. God. <laughs> okay. So I just have to pick an actor if I've done my math right here. Mm. Okay, I'm done. Okay, let's hear it. Okay. Director, Greta. Okay. Actresses, Lupita, Amy Adams, Dame Judy Dent. Okay. And my actor is Denzel Washington. Oh, and what's... What could all four of these people have in common? I have no fucking idea. What's your movie about? That's what I want to know. Oh, it's a straight up heist, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's really funny. So what I had thought originally, and then I like changed my mind, but I had picked my director was Ryan Coogler. Mm-hmm. And for my actresses, I wanted Helen Mirren. Yes. Um, and Frances McDormand. Okay. Because I also wanted a heist movie. <laughs> and I was like, that would <laughs> be just all of the chaotic energy of a Frances yeah. McDormand doing anything with Helen Mirren. Like, I feel like they'd be good, like, buddies somehow. Absolutely. And Helen Mirren and is Tilda Swinton obviously the straight man. <laughs> androgynous attitude i love it and then i was like okay who else is going to be in my heist movie and i tried really hard to like not just pick the actors that i like the best and so i was like okay sam rockwell's gonna be in this Mm -hmm. because that'll be fun and then i was like and for like maximum chaos let's also add christoph waltz i don't know how much money that is it's not 15 (laughs) bucks but that would be fucking awesome (laughs) What the fuck? I had to play by the rules, and you're not? I think you're under, actually. Yeah, I'm under, but it doesn't mean you have to go to 15. It's like, that's your budget. You can't spend more than that. Oh, that's all well, that I did it exactly, because I follow the fucking rules, the, man. There was no rules. <laughs> you can't go over 15. It's like a salary cap. doesn't mean you have to hit it. You just can't go over it. 
I think also Jake Gyllenhaal would be amazing in your high school. I think he would be pretty fun too, because he's got lots of like, lots of chaos going on there. He'd be super fun. What's funny is that my roster is the opposite of chaos. Yes, very much so. <laughs> Lupita, Amy, Judy Dench, and Denzel, like the most <laughs> straight laced, like respected consistently nominated for things people. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but then I also got thinking about putting Kate Blanchett in a movie and I was like, I don't know what to do with this, so I need to stop thinking. Yeah, it's just like, that's why I was just like, the actors can just go away. Like, yeah. I was just uninterested by the actor side. Yeah. I, unless, unless I make like a Mad Max thing and I'm, obviously Tom Hardy can be in it because that's fine with me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't have any questions. I forgot to ask people for questions, and that's okay. Yeah, my switch just got delivered, so I'm dying. <laughs> <laughs> I see. I see. I'd like to go, please. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, okay, well, that's all we have for this week. Um, you can find our things on the internet at iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and possibly Google Play. I got an email from them. I need to read it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you know. If that changes. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mick14. There's a website that is now not updated anymore. Oh, it's better <laughs> than it was. It's all good. <laughs> it's not ten weeks behind. <laughs> it's one or two, I think. There's the Instagram where we'll I'll post that photo. Um, you can find the podcast you know on the Twitter at GarbageFirePod. Yes. Uh, I think that's it. Oh, the, G- the Gmail. The Gmail. Yeah. Email us. Is something. Garbagefirepodcast.gmail.com. <laughs> Send us emails because all I ever get are like security alerts for linked Google accounts. So, you know, it's not fun. Yeah, it's insanely boring. Yeah. Um, that's it. That's all. That's all we have for this week. As always, thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you in the dumpster. <laughs>